Hey everyone, how's your day going? Well, it's about to get better because I want to welcome you to the bag drop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today we have a pretty special guest. Born in Battle Creek, Michigan, growing up in North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Massachusetts, now reigning from California, we welcome to the backdrop Malcolm Scoville of Imagine Golf. Like so many of our favorite guests, Malcolm has spent a considerable amount of time of his formidable years in a little place called St. Andrews, Scotland. He was a undergrad student at the University of St. Andrews, uh, I think studying economics and international business. And he later became an entrepreneur, working on a variety of different startups. Uh, one in particular, Top Hatter, he based some experiences there and compiled a book of stories uh, called Gift Happy, 90-Second Stories of Small Gifts That Made People Smile, Laugh, and Cry. He later went on to found TLDR, which stands for Too Long, Didn't Read. TLDR's first product, Imagine Golf, reflects this give-it-to-me-quick, give-it-to-me-clear content delivery philosophy. Here at New Club, we're guided by the philosophy of golf can be enjoyed equally with old friends and new, kindred spirits, if you will. That's why we're very excited to announce our official partner for the upcoming Atlanta and Chicago member guests. You, you are our official sponsor because we're celebrating our members and our guests this June. The Stinger, Chicago's flagship member guest, is at Flossmore Golf Club. And the Atlanta Brood, our inaugural member guest in ATL, is Monday, June 28th at TPC Sugarloaf. We'll have artwork, food, drinks, gifts for you and your guests, plus 27 holes of spirited competition. Ending, both will end this year. And what I'm very excited about, a horse race, knockout, uh, elimination, whatever you want to call it. It will be unique. It will be a hoot to watch. That's how we're going to crown our champion in both markets. Those winners will be receiving a little something extra this year from the artisans over at Betonardi Golf. So I'm pretty excited to, to see those be handed out. I was at Flossmore yesterday, and the course is absolutely dialed in. And after watching the Mitsubishi Electric Champions event down at TPC Sugarloaf, those greens combined with the side face bunkers it just looked unbelievably good i cannot wait to get it uh, shot at, at both courses with all of you and and looking forward to those events spots are going fast but still available for both so you can book right now for you and yourself your guests directly in the new club member app if you are not a member of new club but you listen to this show and you share our reverence for the game of golf head over to newclub.golf slash join and send us an application we're always looking for the next kindred spirit to enjoy this game with. And in my opinion, life is too damn short to play less compelling golf. So without further ado, I welcome to the show, Malcolm, and on to the show. Hey, Malcolm Scoville, welcome to the bag drop. Great to be here, Matt. Really, really great to be here. Excited to uh, talk with you as well. I think we have a lot of parallels, maybe in our own golf journey, entrepreneurial journey, uh, traversing through Scotland at times. So um, very excited. We got some mutual friends too. You're a buddy of uh, both 
contributor to New Club Golf Society, Jay Ravel. Yeah. yeah. As well as a, a, a fellow new-ish member. You want to give a shout out to Austin, that Austin Taylor. Um, great uh, Midwest, you know, he's got Midwestern blood running, running so solid through his veins. Um, yeah, he's a uh, native of Nebraska. And um, he spent many years in Chicago. And we got to work together here in the Bay Area where I live now. And um, he, yeah, we worked at a company called Top Hatter, which is a, an awesome uh, e-commerce business out here. And uh, yeah, a lot, we've had played some golf, had a lot of late night Slack sessions. And he's kind of, uh, you know, he's just, he's probably like, you know, on the, on your list that he'll, he will like, he'll be like, Oh, he's a very uh, humble guy. But on like, if I had to play golf with like three other guys for the rest of my life, I could only play with like three guys. I would put him on that for some, cause he's just such a fun guy. He's competitive. He's always cracking jokes. Um, yeah. He's yeah. a great dude. So everyone listening needs to put Austin on your list man, and get him, get <laughs> him out in, on your team. Yes. Augusta, if you're listening, you know, Austin Hengler. He... <laughs> <laughs> he's the so, guy. He's, he's the, the guy. guy. Pull him off the wait list. Put him yeah, on. all the pro-ams out there. Get him on the AT&T Pebble Beach pro-am. So, yeah. Uh, no, he's great. So let's just start with your story in golf. How, how'd you get started? Yeah. So, um, well, I grew up, uh, I was born in Battle Creek, Michigan, but, um, soon after, um, landed on planet earth, I was, uh, my, my parents moved to Sanford, North Carolina, um, which is pretty near Pinehurst. Um, yeah, Sanford's famous for tobacco road, uh, really great course. It wasn't around when I was a kid. Um, but, um, I knew yeah, I knew so, that town somehow. Every time, yes. I, every time I recognize a, a, a town's name, I go, there must be a golf course there. Cause I wouldn't yeah. know. Well, before Tobacco Road came along, Sanford was famous for being the brick capital of America. There's more red brick exported from there per square foot than anywhere else. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, if you drive through Sanford, you know, on your way on US 1, north or south, you will, um, you know, go off the highway and you see a lot of beautiful red red brick homes. Um, but uh, yeah, my, my one of my first summer jobs was um, uh, in 1999, working the uh, US Open, the year that Payne Stewart won it. And yeah. Um, you know, they were kind of, you know, reached out to local folks in the area to, you know, you basically hauling uh, drinks and beverages and food and stuff around the different corporate tents. Um, but uh, that was a, I think, you know, we, the, on the Sunday afternoon, we all kind of, you know, took off work and, you know, went and chased, chased uh, the, the crowd following Payne and, and Phil. And, uh, you know, so, so I think, like watching Payne Stewart, you know, sink that putt and when, when the U S open was, that was like, I think that's just such an emotional thing. It kind of just fuses golf into your life. Um, and yeah, soon after, actually I was heading off. Where, to where were you exactly when that putt went in? Like where were I you? I was standing on top of a golf cart. Um, I haven't <laughs> seen myself in any photos. So that was the only way you could get a look, you know, cause we kind of, we actually did take off from like our job. Like I, you know, our, we, that was a job ended on Sunday, you know? So there was, we were very happy to say, okay, that's, we, we put in the hard yard here for the last week. Um, yeah, but that, that's, uh, we actually fortunately had something to stand on. So we just drove one of the carts over and, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly where in those famous photos, uh, I need to go back and actually try to find that. Nobody's asked me that one, but, uh, uh, I, I, I remember about that, you know, cause everyone feels so lovable now. Yes. Or, or yes. I, shouldn't say now. I guess he's always had a big following. Right. And everybody yeah. kind of roots for him, but I can't recall if people were rooting against Phil because pain was so well liked, you know, do you, yeah. do you remember who you were pulling for in that moment? Well, I think, um, 
you know, I think what so much of my sports like fandom is just wanting to see a great battle. Um, I grew up growing up in North Carolina, actually, before we had any professional sports teams. Um, I wasn't like, like my dad is a big Packers fan. Like a lot of my family are Packers fans because we all, we live in Wisconsin as well. But um, sorry for your uh, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers news. I know. Uh, but we, uh, we, yeah. So I just like, I was just looking, I, 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 yeah, I wasn't necessarily rooting for Payne or Phil. One of my closest friends from high school is a massive Phil fan, um, a buddy of mine named Brent. And he um, probably because he was such a Phil fan, I was kind of a little anti-Phil. Uh, but now I've come to love Phil. Um, I think I was probably rooting more for Tiger back back at that point. So, um, yeah, but that was just, that moment was awesome. And um, I think something about like being in a professional tournament too, being at something like the U.S. Open, you just see that like I've always, you know, I knew I was going to go into business and I'm just kind of working at the U.S. Open. You just get a sense for this, you know, the business of that sport and um, just how how well run uh, a, a company, an industry, you know, the PGA, you know, and uh, is and USGA. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that, th- that thread, you know, throughout my life of like mixing business with um, with golf, mixing business with pleasure is I've always been looking for ways to do that. Um so yeah, I was, but soon after that, I, I was heading over to St. Andrews, Scotland, another thread that you and I have. So I was, uh, I was accepted in the Col- to go to Colby College in Waterville, Maine, starting the second semester. Uh, and my dad at this time was living over in Scotland and a buddy of mine from high school had been, uh, he, he got accepted to St. Andrews. And uh, I was like, you're crazy. What are you doing going over there for? And then um, uh, my dad had suggested, hey, why don't you come over here? We'll have some good father-son time like for this semester before you go to Colby. And then I was like, well, I, you know, applied to St. Andrews. They have like a, you know, semester abroad thing. And uh, long story short, within two weeks of being in St. Andrews, my dad dropped me off and he says, I am so freaking jealous right now that you are going to get to spend the next like four months here in St. Andrews. We drove into town. It was like early September, you know, it gets dark at 10 o'clock or, you know, nine 30 then. And, um, and what part of town or, or what part of Scotland was he living in? He was living in uh, actually just near Troon on the, uh, on the West coast. So we did the two hour drive over there and, uh, I hadn't visited St. Andrews before, you know, it was just like, it was the first time, you know, we'd been there and I, you know, I'm, I, I was, I've been a golfer, but you know, not serious golfer, didn't play in high school, but you know, certainly loved the game. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously you can't be in St. Andrews for more than a few weeks and not become a serious golfer. So I, I, uh, that, um, I, um, yeah, so I, I, but within two weeks of being in St. Andrews, I walked into the admissions office and I said, how, how does this work? You know, if I don't want to leave <laughs> and, um, I, I, I wasn't really looking forward to the winters in Waterville. Uh, and, um, and just, just St. Andrews is just the, 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 the town that's the meeting so many great students, having a buddy that was there as well was big a buddy of mine named Tom. Uh, we were going to go through four years there together. So, um, it was, and I'd grown up in a small town and this was a small town. So I just felt, <clears throat> I felt like, you know, it, I kind of made my dad even more jealous when I called him up and said, I'm actually going to be here for four years, not four months. So, um, uh, yeah, but so that was, that was, um, yeah, that, 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 I think that's another big step in the journey. And then, you know, I went down to London and worked, worked down in London for about 12 or 13 years and then moved over to the Bay area. Um, so, uh, so yeah, now I'm, now I'm in the Bay area back, back kind of comes full circle working, you know, largely on, um, on Imagine Golf, which is uh, my, my, my relatively new company. So, 
So, so I, I have to imagine, <clears throat> as you said, you weren't, I can't remember how you phrased it, a serious golfer or a, uh, at the time, you know, when you enrolled at St. Andrews, what kind of golfer were you when you left St. Andrews? Well, so I went, actually played, I was going to play soccer um, in college and I, I ended up at Colby, I ended up playing soccer for, um, for four years uh, at, for the, for St. Andrews, you know, that's probably like equivalent of a strong D3 school over there, you know, playing varsity soccer. So I was still like, that was my main sport. Um, but like kind of in the end of the third year, kind of going into fourth year, I started playing a lot more. A buddy of mine named, named uh, Dave, who was American guy was over there. He would, he and I would study for exams, like on the old course, you, you probably know the deal. Like if you're a student there, you get the resident rate. So it's a hundred, hundred pounds at the time. And you can, um, you get this little card with your, and your name on it is like really, you know, your face is really fuzzy and, you know, it's kind of, you can actually share those around the students, but you um, probably, that, that, probably. That was there. my, that was my maiden voyage as I was, was it? Uh, I was Matthew. We had the same first name. So I felt like I was entitled, <laughs> but uh, Matthew Pexton, I was for the day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, oh, that's nice. so great. Uh, well that, um, yeah, you, if you work out, if you play enough rounds of golf there, um, it basically, it works out that they are kind of paying you to be in St. Andrews, given how much you're saving um, from, from, from paying the tourist rate. But um, yeah, I think I left St. Andrews. I was probably, um, you know, like a, I think I maybe got down to single digits, um, you know, but just barely. And um, I really hadn't put in the time, um, certainly on the mental game, but even really with the coach uh, and really, really going back and doing that foundational work. And um, uh, I think I'm, I'm still in the process of doing that, but um, it, it, St. Andrews, they play the varsity soccer team. Like you're kind of like, you know, it's like a third tier sport there. The varsity golf team, on the other hand, like these guys, you got to be a plus two to get on that team. And they're playing like Harvard and Yale and a lot of, they're playing a lot of the big kind of transatlantic um, competitions. So um, I knew I had no chance to play on that team, but um now that I have a little boy, I have a 10 month old named Charlie and, you know, I am, I am, you know, I am nurturing him uh, quite, quite heavily in the direction of being, you know, being a really strong golfer. And uh, so, yeah, so ask me, yeah, uh, th that's, that's a little bit about where I was at the end of St. Andrews. That's cool. That's cool. And it, it's funny to me though, anyone that's touched the hollowed lands there, you know, you just yeah. you do, you can't just shake it. You know, there's something, well, what is it? For, yeah. There's something what, what, in what was it for you? Cause you, a big part of your golf story has been St. Andrews. So like, I wonder if there's any other, any overlaps that we have on like, I don't know, like my favorite thing is playing late in the day. I don't know. Like when you, when you, you know, on your rounds that you played there, if you're, is there anything particularly memorable or the pub that you had a pint in or I don't know. Yeah. What's kind yeah. of your standout experiences? I, I think, uh, there's a transformation that can happen. And, and I, I've been fortunate to play the old course at least three times. And yep. uh, the, the first time I was in college, still very uh, egocentric, still very score centric. You know, I, I was yep. a, a collegiate golfer who kind of uh, burnt out and dropped out and went to Ireland. So Ireland, I, I have to attribute a lot of this revelation to it. But I, I think what the UK and Ireland taught me in terms of the, my relationship with golf is that it's so much deeper than that scorecard. And it's mm -hmm. so much deeper than, you know, the tallies at the end of the day or the results that you measure yourself to or, or whatever, whatever the heck professional golf even is that we're watching on TV, that golf to them was all these other things. 
and uh, match play. I had never really grown up playing match play, but now all of a sudden that's all I played yeah. over there. And, and it made, it made it less about our, our individual score and more about our team and our team success. And so yeah. th- those are my, my, um, and, and I kind of sum it up with my first and second visit to the old course that were 10 years apart. The first one I shot a 74 in, it rained 14 different times. Wow. The wind was howling and I, I knew it was a great score. Everyone said it was a great score. Cause you know, it was just the conditions. It yep. wasn't, and, and, uh, I felt really good about myself and I took three shots out of the road hole bunker to shoot 74. So, wow. I was really golfing my, my ball, uh, that day, fast forward 10 years, I shoot almost 84. I think it was 83 oh, or 82 man. and, yep. and I played a match and my team won and we had a ball. And so I, th- that's just like, that's, that's the awesome. decade for me is like in that yeah. decade, I became a totally different person where I wasn't yeah. just looking at one dimensional golf anymore i was looking at the full deal yeah yeah i think uh that i mean that that's certainly have had you know it's it's a roller coaster of rounds i look back on but it's almost if 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 you go to st andrews and like you're especially if you only have a chance to play it like you know once which a lot of folks only do and you're too focused on this on the score uh and not just not just soaking it all in uh you're kind of missing out on something there um, so that's, it's actually, I think the town, it just adds a reverence to the game, you know, when you're there too. And, uh, I got a lot of funny like moments. I look back on like, you know, when you go to St. Andrews for four years, a lot of friends invite themselves to come visit you. And, um, you know, so like, you know, like the, the first tee at St. Andrews is such an intimidating thing. So, um, you know, the number of like tops and shanks and like, you know, just, you know, right straight, like, you know, actually like unbelievably it's very very hard to hit it out of bounds left off the first tee of the old course but like i've seen so many guys do it because they're just you know it's a duck hook and over into the road so um and then it's like yeah it's got a there's there's a humility that comes with playing there too so um so the one of the other things about st andrews that um it just kind of encapsulates the game of golf in general is that everybody there's so many people are there you know with with the love of the game of golf and so it's very common for, you know, if you're sitting in like, a, you know, the, I was sitting in the new clubhouse one time studying for an exam and um, uh, Sidney Matthews walked in, who's a, you know, author, a great friend of Jay, um, Jay Revels. Uh, and he's really like the historian on Bobby Jones. Uh, he's based down in, um, down in Florida. And I was sitting, that was the only person there. He just walked over and kind of said, Hey, you mind if I join you? Um, and it kind of, you know, kicked off like a, you know, friendship and sent me all of his books and just that kind of thing happens a lot there. And uh, even, even if you're visiting. Um, so I think it, you're going to have all these experiences off the course in that town, whether it's in the, in the, you know, in the, in the pub, seven a pint or um, waiting for, waiting to tee off, talking to the starters who are all just such characters um, you know, over the driving range. Actually, I was there recently with my wife, um, and this the guy the guy in the driving range um, was he had worked there when I was a student. You know, twenty I graduated two thousand three, so almost twenty years ago. And uh, you know, he recognized me, and I was like, wow, you know, this is, and he looked the same. He said I looked a little bit older, um, <laughs> but yeah, you just you, you kind of see these familiar faces, and yeah, it's just the whole. It's not just the golf about St Andrews. I think that's the other thing that made me really want to stay there as a student. Um, so it's a great economics program and the university's is, is, is got, it's a special place as well. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And it's just, it's part of, of life instead of this grandiose kind of separate thing, you know, like I, I know when I, I don't feel like anybody that I played with in the UK or Ireland ever really treated golf as kind of an escape. You know, you hear that yep. word a lot for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, that we're absolutely. Escaping or that we're whatever, but for them, it's just, no, this is life. This is normal part of life. We, we, we play this game because we love it and, and it's, it's not escaping from anything. It's just part of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, yes, there's a, it's kind of a test. Uh, it's a, you know, a comment really on the modern times that this, there's a lot of anxiety in the world and, you know, something about, you know, a four hour round of golf in the outdoors, you know, with friends um, that, that it does reduce you know, a huge amount of stress. I think it was, it was Alistair McKenzie who talked about the golf prescription uh, you know, and he was a, a medical doctor, you know, who would oftentimes say to his patients who came in with some ailments, you know, this is pretty much all goes back to uh, thinking, thinking too much anxiety, stress. And I, my diagnosis is to go play around, you know, go play two or three rounds of golf every week. And he says, you know, he became a golf course designer because he's like, well, I can build golf courses that, you know, are, are going to attract more people than I can diagnose to go and play golf. So like let's design courses that bring, that bring folks out. I think that's very true. Is it that um, it is, it, it's, it's actually, it's instead of an escape, it's like a, it's like just doing what we're actually meant to be doing as people, which is, you know, enjoying life. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, especially, yeah. I, but the men and the women's game is growing so fast with women I find are much better at kind of finding ways to de-stress and, you know, connect with their friends man, we kind of need it, you know, so you kind of need like something to be created that gets us out, out there, out of our own head, you know, connecting with, uh, connecting with our friends. So I've just made, yeah, so many friends through St. Andrews and, and after, I uh, wish it wasn't like a, you know, 11 hour flight and then a, a good drive to get there, but it just makes it all the more special. Or, so. or, a, or a quarantine away, you know? Yes, we'll, totally. We'll be visiting our friends soon though, I hope. Totally. Uh, so that's you know Mackenzie knew when he wanted to design golf courses. When did you know that you wanted to design a mental game app? <laughs> oh, great, great question. So because um, I've I've been building a a golf app myself for four years, and I'm still not sure I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I I was a few things that came together to you know to that really you know inspired me to create Imagine Golf. I mean one one of them I've been a long time. Um, uh, advisor and friend of um, uh, Calm. Uh, two of my closest friends, Michael and Alex, uh, founded the meditation app Calm. The three of us lived together in a in a flat in Soho in London, and um, we were playing FIFA. You know, while Michael and Alex were talking about you know starting that company, Alex you know had this idea. He'd started something called the Million Dollar Homepage. Um, and made a million dollars when he was 19 by selling a million pixels for a dollar each on on a website. Still up. If anybody wants to see it million dollar homepage. Um, and then, you know, he, from a lot, a lot of, uh, kind of entrepreneurial ups and downs afterwards, you know, he, um, he really decided that he wanted to focus his career and creative powers into, into teaching people meditation. So I saw really from the very beginning, this, them build that app at hundred million downloads and, uh, millions of, of paying subscribers and just the power it had on, on, um, on, on, on its members of, of Calm. And um, so that was one influence. Also, I, I've just been a big, big 
you know, I love biographies. I love anything that's like helps to decipher like why, why people succeed in, in sport and business. So like, you know, all the books from seven habits of highly effective people to, um, uh, to like Ben Hogan's five lessons and Harvey Pinnock's little red book, and whether it's about getting better at golf or business or life, I kind of devour them. Um, so this idea of like taking the calm model of like, you know, short form audio content on a regular basis. And then, you know, in helping people in their lives is really, was really the Genesis. Um, when I was leaving, um, actually working with Austin, I was leaving that company and, you know, ready to start my next thing. I'd done some startups before. Uh, yeah. The idea was it, the company actually I started is called TLDR too long. Didn't read. And, um, we're building, uh, series of apps uh, focused on calling passionate pockets of, 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 of consumers. Um, and the first passion that's my biggest passion is golf. So we for the last year, we've been focusing on that. And uh, the, one of the reasons we chose golf was, was inspired by this. I was playing in a Harding Park with a friend of mine from St. Andrews and his 10-year-old son and, um, and another buddy of mine. Uh, and we, on the, on the 18th hole, Sam, who's the 10-year-old at the time, this is a couple years ago, he had a three foot pot to, to tie the match. And he was so nervous and he actually stopped the ball and said, oh, I'm going to miss this. And then he walked up to the pot and he missed it. And that, like, that was like a moment. I was like that the voices in our head, even at 10 years old are just default mode is negative, you know, and this is, I've been written about, in, you know, psychology for a long time, but, um, you know, really the call map is about changing the voices in our head. And, you know, so applying that, that principle to the golf game for that 10 year old golfer um, was, was like one of the moments where it was like, yeah, this is, we need to change those voices. You know, I have that same voice in my head many times standing on the tee or standing over a putt. And then I, you know, I recently um, had read, you know, uh, around the time of starting Imagine Golf that Tiger Woods' dad gave him, uh, he actually gave him, audio tapes early on when he was you know, 10, 12 years old. And it, it was kind of Tony Robbins type stuff where he was like, you know, reciting over and over, like I smile at obstacles. Uh, I can achieve anything I put my mind to the power of audio to change that recurring voice in our head. Um, and obviously you know, it's one of the contributing factors to Tiger's early success. But um, yeah, so it's in a great year. We've had about 250,000 downloads and, um, you know, folks, you know, really, really loving the app. It was thousands of five-star reviews and, um, there's a lot of challenges and, you know, we do have the occasional bug and we're still figuring out a lot of stuff, but it's been a, it's been a good first year. Um, so, uh, what I was so, uh, curious about when I first stumbled upon it and then probably nine months later, you know, you and I are introduced by some mutual friends. Uh, I was, but both those things was that I, I had downloaded multiple of the uh, meditation apps, you know, and I've, yes. I'm a user uh, of, of them and I believe uh, wholeheartedly in them and it's part of my routine and it's helped, you know, in entrepreneurship, it's helped with my, my marriage and my family life. It's yeah. helped. It, yeah. It's just that, uh, yeah. that peace of mind, that mindfulness that we're all kind of yeah. searching for and don't really know how it's always slow down. So you need a little help. And every time I finish, my mind is on golf because uh, I'm like, you know, where I see this most applicable, all this meditation I've done is uh, in my golf game. Cause without knowing what meditation really was without knowing, you know, the mind body connection, I yeah. was imploring these things long ago 
when I played yeah. really good golf. I, I wasn't great at re- reproducing it. You know, I, yeah. I was a kid that always got too nervous. I was that kid missing the, you know, the 10 year old missing the three foot putt for sure. Yeah. But, but I, I became more and more aware of it, the more it happened. And, and, and I just started breathing more on the golf course. And, and, uh, yeah. and then now I'm, I'm listening to these apps. So your imagine golf was a convergence for me of saying, there it is. Somebody, somebody's doing it. Somebody's, somebody's taking the language of golf and applying, you know, all this other stuff that, that is clearly been effective for millions of people. Um, I, I think it's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how you really just, you know, explained it better than I do. I mean, I think it's, we, um, I think this, there is this like real shift right now from reading to listening. Like here we are, you know, doing a <laughs> podcast. Um, so we're, we're certainly a big part of that trend. Uh, another one is, you know, we really focus on snackable content. So every, every the way the app works is um, every every week, every Sunday, we we, we release a seven day audio course. Um, many of them are inspired by best selling books. Um, we just actually covered the um, Tiger Woods book by Armin Kateyan, which the documentary was based on. The, we didn't. We just focused on the mental game takeaways from that from that documentary. Recently covered uh, like Don't Choke by Gary Player is another great book. So we have um, we we write uh, these three minute scripts and each script is kind of inspired by Aesop's fables. So there's a story, like uh, the, like the tortoise and the hare, and then there's a very clear takeaway. Like it's not always the fastest fastest guy that wins the race. Uh, and we know it's definitely in the edutainment category where really the story is what is what makes it entertaining. But then there's a very clear tip as well. So that's what we found is like if you just give the tips, it's a little flat. And that's also like there's a lot of tips out there. Really, we consider ourselves storytellers, and um, the power of the the writing and the narration, and there's some music behind it. It's kind of an immersive, you know, you know, experience. And we just had a call with several of our ambassadors this morning, and you know, just you know, asking folks when you listen to it, and what are you doing? And it's very frequently, it's when folks are like right when they get up in the morning, and they, this is like you know one of the first things they do when they're making their coffee. Um, one of our ambassadors, Paul, he just says. He says, I got, I got a routine in the morning. I stand in front of the mirror and I say, you know, you are a badass. <laughs> and he's a golf, his high school golf coach. And, uh, and then he's, you know, kind of has a couple other things that he recites and then he listens to imagine golf. And, you know, we don't have that kind of content in the app. He actually suggested that we add it. Um, we might, <laughs> we might should do that. Badass um, playlist. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But it's really like, there's a lot of content in the app on, uh, you know, pre-shot routine, post-shot routine, like how did Jack do it? Like how does, how does JT do it? Um, you know, there's just some, you know, very applicable stuff you can take to the course. And there's like, you know, just interesting anecdotes that have, that have, you know, a, a takeaway um, and a lot about the history of the game. So, uh, but the big things is snackable. So we really, our ask for our, our members is that it's just three minutes a day, you know, and put, put three minutes a day, especially in the winter months, like into your passion, it, you know, it does, it does provide some, you know, it's a lift, uh, and, you know, we're kind of big, you know, big in the lifelong learning and our in many ways, our passions choose us like you and me, like we're going to be talking about and playing golf for the next 50 years, you know, it's ho- hopefully. Um, so that's another reason that we kind of focusing on these passions is hopefully our, our members, you know, we're with them, you know, for a few minutes every day for the rest of their life and uh, helping them, helping them learn and think about things in a different way. Our kind of one of our taglines is think better, play better. And um, that applies off the course as well. So many of our, much of our, of our lessons are really about life uh, as, opposed, as, as, as much as they are about golf. 
you guys got to be a pretty good team to uh, get get the story in the three minutes because I think the only reason I ended up with a podcast is brevity is not my suit. <laughs> you know, I, I go uh, hour, hour 15. You hour and Joe 30. Rogan, you and Joe Rogan, you know, it's, it works. It works. No, but, but, uh, but what, what is it about the three minutes? You, you mentioned that being a, is, yeah. it, is it, there's some psychology back in that though? Like these. these yeah. I think, you know, what, I mean, the most popular audio content is the song. Um, and the songs are about three minutes and songs tell a story and songs have, you know, some harmony and melody behind them. So we look, we really take a lot of inspiration from that. And there are, we see that our job as a, as a product, as a business is really to, to curate, uh, you know, so the daily drive is, is the main, you know, piece of content in the app is there's hundreds, there's like 600 plus different pieces of content you can listen to. And there is longer form content as well in the app. Um, but um, I think the three minutes is something about, we really want to try to recreate somebody like if you're, imagine you're at work or, you know, in a library at school and somebody comes by, walks by and just kind of says, Hey, like Matt, you got a minute? I just wanted to share something. And then they tell you this really beautiful story and they, and they, a little takeaway, and then they just kind of walk off and you're like, man, that was, that was a good story. <laughs> and then like, you just get back to work. But like, if he says, Oh, okay, you got like an hour or like, you got like, we, yes. And sometimes you need, you, there's definitely that time, especially if you're on a long car ride or you're just, you know, doing stuff around the house, which is, I think how I listen to, right. but we're really trying to, to take that idea of a mentor or a coach, giving you a phone call or popping by your desk every day. And, and, and then, you know, put, make that really convenient and easy to put in your pocket. Um, so that's, I think that that's how we landed on the three minutes, but I, I paradoxically, the most common request we have is for longer form content. You know, I think the three minutes is quite compelling to start out, but then they're like, Oh, can I listen to all seven of these together? So we've added that now. So, you know, Sunday, you get the first lesson then Monday, then Tuesday. And at the end of the week, we put them all together in like one 21 minute, um, you know, uh, kind of course. And, so a lot of stuff you can, if you want to listen to all the previous weeks, we've done, I guess, fit over 50 of the top golf books. Now we've done a seven day audio course on. Uh, so, um, yeah, but that's, that's some logic behind it. <laughs> but we're, we're still learning. We're still yeah. learning, frankly. So what, what are you learning from the members that are coming to you guys? Is it people like myself that are accustomed to, you know, using an audio app, using a meditation app, but now they just want it more specifically for golf or is it more the golfer who it hasn't been introduced to these things? So they're kind of relatively new. Yeah, we, we have, um, this is a great question because I, I'm a, I'm a marketer, you know, in many ways. So I kind of think about, you know, our, you know, our, our different audience segments and what their motivations are. And, um, we try to, you know, a lot of our marketing activities, um, you know, we try to use the voice of our students, you know, so we do a lot of uh, these, you know, we do calls and, um, and surveys, the consistent thing that comes out is, um, is folks are folks download the app because they want to genuinely get better at golf. They want, they want lower scores, lower handicap, and they want to win, win more. So, um, like several of our ambassadors are high school golf coaches and they, you know, we give like a free code to a lot of high school golf teams to say, Hey, you know, this is another tool you're in your arsenal. Most folks are not spending any time on the mental game. That's what we found. 
they'll go to the range, you know, once or twice a week, they'll play once or twice a week. Um, and they say, well, I've got, I've got the Harvey Pennick book. Um, I've got some, I, I kind of know some concepts around visualization and pre-shot routine, but I really don't, like I'm not really practicing it. So I think that's what stands out about, you know, when, when we do some, some research and it's a, it's a, it's a split from, you know, scratch golfers to, um, you know, the, to the 25 plus handicappers is, um, I think they're all getting something a little bit different. So, um, yeah, we just, we also started a program where we're starting to work with some, some pro golfers and adding some content in there from pro golfers. Uh, we've got a, uh, multi, multi major who's creating a, uh, an audio course right now in the app, um, on like uh, taking seven moments in, uh, his, his career and like really walking through like, okay, it's just the three minutes, each one in that moment. This is what I was, this is what I was thinking. This is how I was going through that. Um, and, uh, so that's, I think, just been interesting for folks to kind of get inside the, get inside the minds of, of other folks and really they're going from spending zero time on the mental game to spending three minutes a day. And then they'll, you know, they'll come back and say, like, I, I hit today, I went through my pre-shot routine and I, I you know, dozens of these uh, every month is like, I, you know, I've, I've been playing. I, I shot my lowest score or my handicap has come down by X stroke. So it's hard to measure that perfectly, but that's really folks want performance improvement. And, uh, and I think the mental game is, is it's a great way to get it. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what we're finding. Now I, I, I uh, <laughs> find ourselves tapping into competition more and more um, yep. because I, I think in a way we want golf to be more inclusive. So sometimes competition can uh, inhibit that, right. That you, are, are, uh, if you're going to win, if you're new, you're not going to win as much. So it's, it's, but the reason that new person is there is a lot of their competitive spirit. And so absolutely, we, we've kind of always been like, Oh, let's make sure we're making it fun and safe for everybody. But what we're finding is, Hey, the new people want to win just as much. And they, they, they totally. have a bigger upside to getting better because it's kind of like an untapped resource. And yeah. And so I, I love hearing, you know, products that are, that are tapping into that. Cause it's, it's the truth. It's one of the motivators and it, and it is a game and we shouldn't hide from the fact that it is a game and that, you know, the, the competition, whether it's with ourselves, the course, uh, a match, it, yep. it's a really strong element of the game. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, I think, you know, Tony Robbins, I mentioned him before, he talks a lot about this, you know, is if you want more happiness in your life, you know, find more progress in your life. Like we, we, we do feel happy when it feels like we're, 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 we're moving forward. Like my dad's often advice to his kids got six kids is like, just keep moving forward. And, you know, I, I had, I probably had a 10 year plateau in my golf game where I just was just kind of going out there and playing and frustrated about the same things uh, and making the same mistakes and literally for a decade. <laughs> and, um, but you know, I think now it's like, okay, I'm actually committing to improvement in my in this part of my life. And uh, I can't remember the company, but there's a great business case study where um, there was a company where tons of stuff was going wrong in the business. And a new kind of consulting firm came in and they said, all right, well, you know, you guys got a lot of problems. <laughs> um, this year, all it was a manufacturing business. All we're going to do all we advise you to do is focus on getting your, um, getting your number of 
injuries down to zero. That's all. Like the company's like, we got revenue problems, we got nutrition, we got all those issues. And the whole like the, the net of it all was by just focusing on one thing in their life and on their business and really, really improving it. They, need, they realized they needed to improve a lot of other things. They need to think about things differently. And by getting the injuries down to zero, like, oh, well, everybody's like really committed to that goal. So we have a shared goal. Every, like, you know, the, the factory floor is a lot cleaner and um, there's all these other benefits. So like by choosing golf as the one thing you're going to focus on getting better at in life, there's just all sorts of other benefits. You become a better person. <laughs> so um, so it's, a great, it's a great thing to, um, to really commit to. And I think, uh, but then it's like, okay, how am I going to do that now? Yeah. So I think that's where apps like ours could be helpful in application of that. So, well, I I think the industry too, where you guys I hope make more headway because you you are clearly, but I hope it continues. Is that you know that person that does want to get better isn't going to the PGA Superstore and buying a six hundred dollar driver to start right. April April fifteenth. Right. You know that oh this right. is it this is my answer this year or um yes. or, or dumping you know getting getting lessons in the way your body moves is important. I'm not yeah. saying it's not, but I just see so many people that uh, skip right past the mental game, skip yeah. right past their breathing. I mean, I most people yeah. I just want to tell, you know, hey, you're struggling with your golf game, take a breath before you hit every right. shot. You, you're, you're tense, yeah. your anxiety is crushing your own game. So, you know, yeah. remember to breathe and see what that does. Then go dump a bunch of money on your swing. But I, I just, uh, I hope that, this this movement towards mental i think it's all tied right mental health mental game mental it is i hope it continues it, it, it's i think it is i think we're there was a big um stigma around talking about mental health and anxiety for so long like yet the top athletes for decades and decades especially olympic olympic athletes have had mental performance coaches the top performers have coaches that are helping them think better and play better uh, in whatever sport, whether it's business or, a, or an actual sport. Um, so we, you know, one of the things we created early on is, is a seven-day kind of onboarding course called the driver's license course um, from our Department of Mental Vehicles, our own DMV. And it's like, a, you know, the first, the first um, day is like, just gonna you know three minutes on like here's like the key principles of the mental game day two is on course management day three is on pre-shot routine the next day is on this the concept of taking dead aim like really what does that mean and then we have post-shot routine day have you have you read any of dr joseph parents stuff like zen golf good good multi-guest to the pod he's a member of new club a yeah, well, good friend oh that's amazing yeah actually i had seen he was on the pod that's right so he um, he's big on the post shot routine and like, okay, what if you hit a, if you had a great shot, you know, here's, here's what you do. You say, that's how I always hit it. If you hit a really bad shot, you say, Oh, that's not like me. Um, and if you hit kind of an okay shot, you know, he's okay. Well, you know, could, you know, just do this a little bit differently next time. Uh, like he's shot at 18 where he hits it in the bunker, you know, he's like, you know, so, okay, you know, hit that a little bit, right. <laughs> you know, just got to go up there and, you know, just, uh, he also says always, always swing again afterwards you know if you if you don't hit the shot that you intend to just so you have that like okay you're always leaving the place um you know having 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 swung hit a good swing and then day six is first teach jitters and then day seven on that practice you know a lot of us 
don't ever think about how we practice uh, in life or on the golf course. We just go and bash some balls. And uh, I think back to St. Andrews, I would do, I was a ball basher there. I just go up there because you could get 50 balls for the equivalent of like 25 cents and, um, you know, just bash away. And, you know, Jack Nicholas famously has like exactly the same routine. He hits the same clubs. He doesn't hit a lot of practice shots and every shot he hits on the range, he's imagining that he's on the course. He never just hits a ball. He's always, okay, here's my target. I'm actually pretending that I'm on the course. He practices like he plays and he doesn't just say it like a cliche. He actually does it and he's the best. So some things like that are, these are all obvious lessons. You know, it's like every self-help book. Oh, I know this already, but we need to be reminded of them, you know, day in, day out. Yeah. I, uh, doctor, I'll combine your two, your two different points there on, on beaten balls and, uh, and Dr. Joe parent. Um, he, he has me doing some things that I always thought were goofy on at first until right. the results worked. And I'll give you an example. I'd go play in a tournament and I just stripe it on the range and, and I'd say I'm hitting my wedges really well on the range. And then I get to the first hole middle of the fairway. My lie looks slightly different. And all of a sudden, all that confidence I built on the range is just gone, just eviscerated. And I'm, <laughs> and I bone a wedge over the green, right? And and we had talked about this, this because this was pretty consistent for me. Like this was yeah. happening over and over again. And so we're on the range talking about it. And he goes, "Well, let's walk through your process. You you put down a bag of balls, you scrape a, a bag of ball or a ball out of the bag. What do you do? You tee, you kind of put it on a perfect lie." right on on the grass or you hit it to, yeah. you know behind your strip you got to take care of the turf obviously yeah. so you're not gonna but but what he had me start doing was drop a ball blindly close my eyes drop a ball see where it end up if it ended up in a divot i hit it out of the divot and and yeah i didn't maybe stripe my practice but guess what if i get out on the golf course now and my ball's not sitting just perfect like it was on the practice that stuff like that just blew my mind i'm like oh my gosh this is so much easier than i was making it that is such a great story. I mean, I, I've actually never heard anybody tell that story. That's such a Dr. Joe type piece of advice too. <laughs> yeah. It's just like profound and like also extremely simple. Yeah, but that so simple. is something that we none of us do. Like, yeah, none of us do that. Um, that's a great one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna borrow that next time I go to the range um, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and, so yeah. Was that? Tell me more about your. Um, so, have you gotten some like some some lessons from him, or is this like? Kind of just chatting to him on the range. A, a lot of just uh, what you're talking about, right? Which is listen to his uh, three minute, you know, very simple things. And I take some yep. of those. I that's that's how my relationship with him started. And then finally, I uh, I shot my lifetime low. I shot a course record, and I wow. sent, I sent him a uh, a long email, and just just told him what this has done without me really knowing. You know, over a couple months of reading your book oh, and listening to awesome. these things, and so. Uh, so he responded and he had checked out a new club and we, we started talking. And so I got one playing lesson with him, um, which was with some other people. So, yeah. but, but I, I got, maybe I got more out of his conversation with the other people than myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is, oh, that's so interesting. He's a wise, uh, wise man for sure. He's so wise. And, you know, he did a lot of work with, um, he's worked with a lot of pros, um, VJ Singh uh, and him did a lot of work together just before VJ won the Masters. Uh, and, you know, it's again, it's about results. It's like he gave you a tip delivered in his Dr. Joe way. 
and then you could immediately apply it and you're boning fewer wedges over the greens, you know, and that's the thing about, that's where I think a lot of people are like, oh, the mental game stuff, same with meditation. It's like, that's kind of fluffy. It's like, it's fluffy. It's like, you do this stuff, you're going to win more tournaments. You're going to beat your buddies more. You're going to win more money. Um, uh, so and that's, I think, the, that that's maybe we all have some education to do amongst golfers about this because it's still, it's still not. It's like, look, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go work on my driver. Like, and that's gonna, that's what is gonna get me, you know, down five strokes. It's like the fastest way to get down five strokes is to have a pre-shot routine, <laughs> and um, and really think through what you're doing before you actually do it. Decisions. Yeah. It's, it's if you're like a more than a ten handicapper. Your, your shot choice is, is, is has a much bigger impact than hitting two more fairways. Absolutely. So. It's, and it's, uh, it's great to see, again, this coming to the forefront versus hiding behind driver purchases and fixing yeah. your, your body yeah. or fixing your, your sway. I, I really firmly will always believe that the mental game is the number one way to get better. Always. Well, what's yours, Matt? Because you're a much better golfer than me. I'm aspiring to get to where you are. Like, what would you say is your, um, like, you know, when you're, you step up to a shot, like, what are you doing? Is, and are you do are you being really deliberate about it? Or have you just kind of internalized it now? Yeah. Um, you know, like I, the think box, play box thing, yeah, or, you exactly. do, is there something like that? I, I, I do subscribe to, to that, you know, the, the think box, play box, um, memory box and, and how I, you know, digest the shots that had occurred. That that's something that I've, I've seen drastic improvement in. Um, I, I think two th it does depend where I'm playing. I will say right. I kind of go a little bit um, auto when I'm at my home club versus I'm playing new courses. When I one reason I love playing with new clubs is because I play new courses and playing those new courses, I don't have the answer or a answer predetermined. So right. I, I find myself spending a little more time in the think box same time in the play box, meaning get up to the shot and I still go through my routine, nothing yep. changes there. And then I have more data to, to think about afterwards yep. and, and digest. So that, that's definitely been my approach for the last five, six, seven years. And it's, it's helped out immensely uh, to have that focus. And, yep. but number one for me is breathing. Yep. I just remember to breathe. If I, if I remember focus on my breath and I'm present, my, you know, I, I know, again, a lot of people say this is, kind of hokey to say, but it's, it's my mind and my body are working together that, that they come together when I'm focusing on my breathing. And that makes all the difference for me. So like, I can imagine that sounding like some people, they just get that immediately. Some people it's going to sound a little bit like, wait, I'm always breathing. Like, you know, what do you mean? Focus my breathing. So are you like focusing on like the sensation of breath going into your nose and out through your nose? Or like, what do you say? Like, what, what do you like? Like zooming in like 800x. Like what are you what are you actually doing on that on the when you're focusing on your breathing? I do focus on the point um, right below the belly button that where if I'm taking a big breath, it is. I think that there's um, a Japanese term for it. I can't remember right now, but it is right below my belly button. If I do that, I then notice a softening of my shoulders. Even right now, we're sitting talking, wow. I'm hunched up. If I do that successfully, I get a softening of my shoulders, which lets me feel um, circulation in my hands better. 
<laughs> so it, it is a, a, a little detail, but it, that is what I, that, when I say breathing, that, that's actually what I'm doing. I'm focused on that single spot and, and yeah. what that breath feels like. And then the resulting of the softening of my shoulders and go ahead and step into my, my shot and let it rip. Wow. That is, um, yeah, that makes that I could, I could see myself going out and doing that. So that you should give, like, we'd love to do your course, you know, your kind of like your approach to breathing, like, you know, cause it's, I think the application of that, like you explaining it that way, it's like, okay, wow, I can like actually try that. And I'm just like doing it now. And I'm at like, my shoulders are, you know, they've been kind of tense for the last, you know, like kind of all the, all morning. But yeah, it's like you're focusing on a, body, a part of your body. I, for me, like when I do a lot of meditation, it's like the, the sensation of the air going into one nostril and then out the other nostril. And that, like that's why I have like deepest meditation sessions. It's like a, there's a point I'm focusing on around the breathing. Um, and yeah, I just, I'd kind of love to like see if all the like tour players, you know, or all the players as good as you as well. Like what are they, you know, what, what is, what specifically are they doing yeah. And I, if you compare it to what the, the average golfer who's kind of frustrated golfer, you know, who's just basically hit, standing up and saying, Oh, I'm kind of visualizing it for a second. Then I'm just going to hit it. It's, it's a very different experience. Also it makes the golf game. Like it makes a four hour round, a real workout. <laughs> so Alice, like, this is a real like focus challenge. And at the end, you're yeah. kind of like, well, you were, you're invigorated, but you had to work hard. Uh, so yeah. And, and, and people know that post round, uh, golf feeling too probably comes from a lot of that focus of, of yep. working on these things while, yep. while we're out there. I'm pumped to hear your contributors on the PGA side. I know you can't say who they are just yet, but yeah, I always love listening to those guys because I think they're far better than I am. And, and uh, I always find that they have a hard time describing what it is. Specifically, yeah. like you, you challenged my question, like with right. what specifically does, I think yeah. they even have a harder time um, because they're already so good at these things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they, there's a few uh, of them that are really good, right? Jordan Spieth's good at, at eloquently just explaining it. I think yeah. Phil, Phil is just good at confusing everybody, but. Um, right, right. <laughs> uh, Phil kind of laughs it off. You know, I think he's, but he's, he's just his like style. Like he's Austin's kind of like Phil. He's kind of like very <laughs> intense, very focused, but he'll kind of like say something funny and he'd be like kind of an off shucks way. Um, but Phil, yeah, he's, I mean, Jordan is a very interesting one because his career, um, you know, he went from being so, so focused and determined and so self-confident. And then, you know, he had a couple of experiences where like he wasn't, his whole life wasn't going up and to the right. And, you know, if you've never had a big knock in your life, that really hits your identity. And, you know, your self-image is a huge part of your performance on the golf course. Like, uh, and, um, and I think that's, it's so great to see him coming back now and talking like he was talking earlier on and kind of saying like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to go out there and play my best. And he's kind of like, he's done some of that great detachment work from the outcome, which Dr. Joe talks a lot about. Um, but I, yeah, he, he's, his whole life is a book to be written on his career and he's got many chapters to come, but I, um, I'd love to sit down with him and just kind of, if you could get him on the pod, uh, um, that would, he would be a great one to really talk through this. And he's done some good podcasts on it, but I, 
I, I think I bumped right. him. It... I bumped him for you, Malcolm. I actually had him <laughs> slotted for this. <laughs> well, yeah, he, um, yeah, you mentioned that um, that they struggle with it too. I think pros struggle with it massively. I think Tiger went through a self identity. You know, his, his identity was like just I mean, he's Tiger, and then he has this whole situation where, oh, okay, now I'm actually a flaw. You know, everybody knows I have flaws as well, and you know, and he don't play like the fearless champion anymore. You know, he wasn't, he literally was smiling at obstacles and winning 10, 12, 14 majors and has a decade where he, he's no longer smiling at obstacles. He's kind of like a little bit like, well, gosh, you know, these obstacles are really hard and it's tough. And that's, that's not the kind of internal dialogue um, that he had when he was a kid, you know, you know, uh, storming up this, the fairways of St. Andrews and Pebble, you know, with like 10 stroke leads. So we all we all can change that that self-talk that's that's the great thing it's like that's the power of of working on the mental game is you can actually just change it yeah. you could just start saying like i'm a scratch golfer you can literally lie to yourself and and if you lie enough you're gonna start be like oh, I, got, I guess i'm a scratch golfer i got probably gotta go work on my putting i probably <laughs> should like get some more lessons and so that's we have a there's a section in the app called um uh think like and it's like think like jack think like arnie think like tiger and we just actually have affirmations that they've said in press conferences and stuff over the years. And it's, you're just listening for five minutes to the, to these quotes with some music behind it. Um, so uh, I think as a, yeah. as a, like, you know, been diving, I, I'd say deeper than most, I go deeper than most people on, on golf topics regardless, but for sure, the yeah. mental game, I, I just am so fascinated by it. So I've picked up a lot of the books that you're referencing. I think what I'm so excited about for, what you guys are building is uh, when you have built is uh, if, if I'm listening to some of those, you know, like Jack or whatever, I, I might start to pick up on like, Oh, he's a Rotella guy. He's a, a Dr. <laughs> Bob has worked with him. Or right. like, oh, that's Dr. Joe or all the other yes. number of or Pia and Lynn from vision 54. Yeah. Their, their book is brilliant. They, they're the think box play box, you know, pioneers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there is a lot of, I think when you get to the mental game, no one's, mind works the same and yeah. so uh some things might work for you some might not that's a great and, point and and so what i like but but where i'm at in the, in my own journey with this is like i'm i'm not above trying anything <laughs> you know yeah. i think dr joe yeah. br broke me out of a lot of stuff to say yeah this might sound ridiculous but if i'm gonna play better i, I will give i will give it a try yeah. And that sounds like like what you guys have kind of put together a menu of is like, hey, listen to what worked for Jack. Listen to what worked for yes. Monica. That's a great point. Uh, uh, Chuck, who's a um, brilliant like storyteller behind so much of the content Imagine Imagine Golf, he, he oftentimes says the word it's an invitation. Like today's lesson is an invitation to you know to, to a concept. Now, you might not agree with the Aesop's invitation to of the tortoise and the hare, but it's still a great story. And, you know, you could take that away or it might be appropriate for, for you or, or someone else. And the other thing about this three minute thing you asked earlier is I'm now having a little, a uh, little, a little baby. I find myself reading him the same stories over and over. You know, the, and I was like read similar stories over and over. Like we were used to hearing the same stories at the holidays around Santa Claus over and over the same stories. And that's the power of like, even though you might've read this stuff or heard about it before, repetition is really you know the the mother skill somebody said like repetition you need that uh in order to 
in order to really ingrain this stuff and, and, and be applying it. So, um, I, I, so yeah, uh, my, my other I was curious answer. to hear about your golf app at one point too. I want to, I want to hear what this four-year golf app you've been working on is <laughs> see if we can. No, that was, that was an inside joke for all of our members who are always, oh. you know, sending us, uh, sending us customer service requests of like, Hey, the app's not working. What's, what's this going on? Um, yeah. No, we, we've built, yeah, a proprietary mobile app for our golf society to operate. So we get our tee times, our trips, and our, our tournaments and events are all preloaded in there. And you get to see who you're playing with and rate the folks that you play with and all, all, this, uh, all this stuff that you know, wouldn't be possible yeah. without really skilled developers helping us out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think the... Um... Yeah, the, the other thing that you've done with New is, is like you're really bringing people together around like the necessarily haven't met like austin was kind of telling me like it's really he feels very privileged and you know excited to be a part of it and you know it's it's a it's a club uh, but you go on these journeys and adventures and that's like the you know great the ultimate metaphor in storytelling is the hero's journey and like you're like calling people come come in and we're going to take you on these adventures and um yeah i'm looking forward to learning more about that as i kind of you know just do do more stuff with you guys and we become yeah. come better friends but I, I i don't go on enough golf trips and i think now having a little one it's going to be harder but i i kind of i'm excited to do that so yeah, well, you guys you are know, you're you're in the wheelhouse then because we hear the exact same thing from all, all of our members and and yeah. we don't we don't overdo the trips there's a lot of organizations that have a ton that you can jump on we, right we make a handful really special and we call them kind of the society-wide fixtures and and then uh and then it's all local because and you'll appreciate this because you've been over there and you've probably made trips back but you know when you make a trip to scotland it's transformative and it's just golf at its best for so many different reasons the architecture the 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 elements the um the people you meet the stories you share yep and I always felt that my local golf, meaning my tee times next door, you know, uh, courses locally, if they were just one tenth as as fun and powerful as that experience, um, I I would have a happier golf life, a happier life at home. Yeah, and and yep. I I truly feel we we've added trips and we still we're going to Scotland with new club, we're going to Ireland with new club, we're doing those things, but. I view it as we need more of whatever that is bottled up and put into the country club uh, world, uh, put into the municipal golf world. And I think that's part of our mission is just bring in more Absolutely. of that to Saturday morning at 6.50 a.m. and not just, you know, 14-day bucket list trips to the home of golf. Yeah, that's um... – are life-changing experiences for people. I mean, I think that's the other thing is they're, they're going to meet friends. They're going to, you know, they're going to maybe get be able to share something about their marriage or something going on at work that unlocks something for them too. And um, it's like, we need, you know, this is in a way like, you know, it's what anybody that's ever founded an actual golf course, you know, they're building a place for people to come together, enjoy the game. You're doing the same thing. It's, it's really amazing. So um, yeah. W- when's the Scotland trip? uh we are are it, bumped back again obviously with okay yeah for, there's for yeah spring. it's may of 2022 oh great okay that's 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 a great time of year to be there yeah uh sun's wow. up 
till like, like you said, to yeah. 10 p.m. Yeah. hour. That's always a treat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want to miss this one because I, I truly don't know what it means. Can you tell me what uh, feed the good wolf means? Oh, feed the good wolf. Um, great question. Yeah, I think I'm back to this one. So, yeah, this is another great parable where uh, I think it might be like an Indian, uh, Native American Indian parable, but, um, you know, there's, um, there's, there's this this idea of like like on either shoulder there's a, a good wolf and a bad wolf uh, in our in our lives and the good wolf is is telling you uh, you know this is you are you are capable of anything and you are great and you know life is good and the bad wolf is saying you know you know eat, eat more Doritos um, you know uh, procrastinate more don't um, don't don't step out from you know the comfort of your life and, and go and achieve your dreams. And uh, the, the question that the kid asked in the parable is like, well, you know, which, like, you know, which wolf is stronger? Which wolf is bigger? Which wolf will, will win? And he's like, well, whichever one you feed more. And, you know, it's like, you know, the idea of that is, you know, you have to feed these good thoughts and feed the, uh, you know, f- nurture, nurture that voice inside of us when it's, it's actually not the default voice. The default voice is so often the, the bad wolf. Um, so that's a, again, one of these lessons in the app that applies, like whether you're on the golf course and you just hit like a bad shot and the default mode in the head says like, I suck. I can't believe these clubs, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, I hate my pro that told me I should buy this new wedge. Um, and then there's the good wolf, which is like, okay, like, great. The, the best golfers in the world have a bad shot every now and then. Like, it's all about the next shot. So it's, it's a, uh, and this is, gosh, there's so many applications off the course as well. I think that's what that core three-minute lesson was about. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I saw it in one of your other interviews. And I said, instead of yeah. uh, reading on, I'm going to yeah. ask him about it because that just sounds yeah. interesting. Feed the good wolf. Oh, well, the, the, actually, it's related. We, we just Speaking of Dr. Joe, we just launched something new in the app where he does uh, we re, he records a mental game session with, with some Imagine Golf um, students. And um, it's like 20 or 30 minutes. I did and I was the guinea pig and he helped me talk through some stuff I'm working on. And he just did one with Samantha, um, a really strong uh, female golfer. And it's just like great kind of reveal at the end. I won't share it, but it's, it has to do with like feeding the good wolf. And um, she has a lot of thoughts. Um, he said to her, um, he said, do you like to be called Sam or Samantha? And she said, well, my friends call me, call me Sam. And he says, like later in the lesson, he comes back. He says, you know, at the beginning, when I asked you what you like to be called, it's like, you know, he's like, she, she, one of her challenges is she's won the club championship twice at her club. So whenever she's playing, she feels a lot of people are judging her. Like that she has like pressure to like perform well. I mean, she hits a bad shot. She gets really down. And he's like, well, you actually told me like that I should call you like what your friends call you. Like even your name, like is about what other people think of you. So, um, you know, that, that he helped her see that on the golf course and off the golf course, she's really thinks a lot about what other people think about her. And, um, and she's like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I should stop doing that. He says, no, I'm not saying you should stop doing that, but that's one of your thoughts. And you have to build a relationship with that thought because that thought's going to be there for a while. <laughs> it's tough to just get rid of the good, the bad wolf, the bad wolf you can't get rid of. Uh, and the, the big takeaway at the end, I will share the reveal, um, uh, is um, she's like, yeah, so build a relationship. She's like, I guess I kind of have to be friends with those thoughts. And he's like, it's like, and Dr. Joe's wisdom, he's like, yes, Samantha, you have nailed it. Yes, so that, um, on that note, like, you know, go, you know, we will end the session. 
but yes, you have to form, you have to be friends with, with the bad shots, yeah. friends with the bad thought, bad, bad shots, the bad thoughts. Um, so, um, yeah, he is so great. Um, and yeah, his, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that's another, a third connection from Austin and Jay to now Dr. Joe. <laughs> I, th- so. I think there's going to be plenty more. If we yes, keep I chatting. agree. I think there's going to be others because yep. this is, I, this is just so, um, speaking a lot to, I think myself, but also any of our members will, will definitely understand what we're, what we're talking about before yeah. we run out of time. I want to make sure we're doing something for, uh, this season of the bag drop where, um, I ask you questions to reveal the soul of the golfer. I took 35 questions right. from Marcel Proust, who's the French novelist of the 20th century. And, uh, he was trying to review the truest nature of an individual I'm not looking for that, but I'm looking for the truest nature of the golfer, which is you, Malcolm. So love that. Uh, I think you're going to have some fun with these. My only um, comment on the out the gates is these are intended to be short answer. A lot of these can be right. very philosophical. You could take a week and a half to come up with an answer for most of them. Whatever comes, I'll be mind. very short. Yes, yeah. I've got to. I've got to run to a doctor's appointment um, in. 12 minutes. So, so I, I will be less than that. <laughs> we got, we got a built-in shot clock. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. All right. So hole number one, when were you the happiest as a golfer? Uh, 9 PM walking up the 18th at St. Andrews uh, with three of my best buddies. Uh, I've been like my fourth year of St. Andrews, just feeling grateful for that, for all the years I had there. On a, late in the day, like long shadows, beautiful town you're walking back into. No explanation needed there. Number two, what's the scariest golf shot? Um, uh, I mean, I got to say first hole at, at St. Andrews because um, the intimidation <laughs> factor, the, the looming, looming uh, RNA looming over you. And um, I think you have to do it a few times. So it's not scary anymore, but that's, I'd say, yeah, that's, that's a really good answer. You don't, you, you might not have a soul if you aren't nervous <laughs> on the first tee at that's St. True. Andrews that's or, true. or at least a golfing one. Uh, yep. number, number three, what is your go-to order at the halfway house? Um, oh my gosh. Growing up as a kid, it would be a moon pie. I had these moon pies. It's like, you know, I don't even think they sell those outside the South, but it was the least healthy thing ever. Um, yeah, I'd say, uh, Probably a club sandwich, you know, is the other one. So not that exciting. Number four, what is the trait you most deplore in your golf game? Um, uh, I'd say like spending enough time on my putting. I think I, I know I need to do it. It's a, it's a, it's a difference of application and, uh, and knowledge and application. So I'm, I'm committed to spending 10 minutes a day on my putting and more time before each round. Number I don't f- do it every day. <laughs> number five, what is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? Um, this might be a little contentious, but like competitiveness. I really like playing against competitive people, um, but also like that they're, they're fun. You know, they're, they're, they're great guys, but I, I do like, I do like, I enjoy, I enjoy competition out there, even for a buck, you know, buck aside. Yeah, I still enjoy that. Number six, what is the trait you most deplore in other golfers? Um, I think, uh, I just like, I think if somebody just doesn't really care, uh, like, um, that's, that's tough. I don't, I think golf though, it's just, yeah, if you don't, if you don't really care about golf, you're not going to really put in the time, but I think maybe 
um, just I appreciate people that have a reverence for the game and, uh, and a reverence for the rules and traditions of the game and not, not do everything perfectly. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's what comes to mind there. <laughs> Number seven, what words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? Oh gosh. Um, probably um, great, great shot. Like great shot. Like I'm actually like, I'm a positive guy. So I'm like, you know, I, I kind of, I try to find opportunities for positive reinforcement of myself or others. Um, I probably don't tell myself great shot, but maybe that's a little bit overused. Um, but uh yeah, I find that helps me be more positive in general. I'm just kind of like, oh, it's a great shot. Great shot. Great. Everything's great. So, yeah, everything's good. Great shot. <laughs> great day. Beautiful day. <laughs> Number eight, what golfing talent would you most want to have? Um, I, uh, I think right now, um, just being like, like Colin um, Morikawa on like my short game, just like, you know, really, really like 50, and, 50 yards and in, um, really – you know, more times than not getting, you know, getting, uh, getting inside that, that three to five foot circle. Uh, so that's, that's a big thing I'm working on now. I'm hitting more tee shots in the fairways. Thanks to some work that Dr. Parent helped me with. And, um, yeah, so now I got to get this, this 50 yarders. I think it's the toughest shot in golf, middle of the fairway, tight lie, 50 yards. Um, so yeah. You, you can either avoid it or get better at it. it sounds like yep, you get better. Absolutely. At it. Yep. Uh, number nine, what is your most treasured golf possession? Um, I, uh, my dad gave me a pocket knife that has my initials on it. Um, it's kind of in my golf bag. Um, and it was like a, you know, great grandfather, um, kind of family, uh, just do the, you know, probably a given to him, like on his 20th anniversary at, at you know, work one day. Um, it's just, a, you know, kind of a $10 pocket knife in my, in my golf bag. Awesome. Uh, number 10, what's the one thing in your golf bag that you should throw out? Um, probably a half eaten club sandwich from a <laughs> month ago. <laughs> That's happened before, but I actually don't think one's in there right now. That's disgusting. You should definitely <laughs> do that. Yeah. Uh, number 11, what is your favorite occupation at the golf course? Um, well, I think that, uh, I think the teaching professionals, um, you know, just, just such a awesome role they play in the, in the lives of, uh, of, of everybody who's a member there or, you know, who plays there. So particularly like teachers that have this Socratic method that uh, they just, they're really asking questions, you know, what do you feel like you did on that one? And um, a really good teaching pro who, who, you know, kind of nudges and steers uh, in the, in the right direction. Some of the most underappreciated folks in golf, I think yeah. get, get absolutely worse rap. They, they, they deserve a lot more praise than we give uh, number 12, have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? Um, yeah, yeah. I, um, I think I have, um, yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I can't, um, actually, I can't remember that I have, um, <laughs> did you get it? Do you uh, have it? I, do, I don't, I don't think I, I don't have any, actually, no, I don't have any, anything signed, um, my my wife is English, and her we just put something up in our house. This is that her mom had been um, she got assigned something from all four Beatles, like you know back in the '60s, Whoa. and uh, like that was just that was what I was thinking about. And we um, she actually uh, she sold it, but we took a photocopy of it, and um, we have that like on our kind of a, a little picture on our wall. But um, yeah, and then I don't have any like Beatles autographs or like you know <laughs> yeah, Jack Orney. So a, that's a big one. 
Uh, 13, what historical golf figure do you most relate to? Um, I think Bobby Jones, uh, because of the connection to St. Andrews and like, you know, he famously kind of threw a tantrum on the, on the old course, you know, and threw his clubs and walked off the course. And I was a little bit of a tennis brat growing up. I kind of get upset about things and somebody showed me a video of me playing, kind of having one of those little, you know, things when I was like 13 and immediately I changed my behavior and, um, you know, really gained, gained respect for sportsmanship. And, um, and then I just think his love of his love of the game and, uh, and, and, then just you know him going on to be an ambassador for sportsmanship and and St Andrews. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Fourteen. Do you have any greatest golf regret? Um, I mean, I can't really like blame my parents, but like if I could go back in time, like I would have been like, yes, I, I would have loved to have like gone, gone, played a lot more golf and like gotten a lot more lessons early on. Um, but arguably like I, I might've then fallen out of love with the game. And, you know, this like everything is, this is it. And it's perfect. It's kind of another mantra, like in, in our team. So um, no regrets, but uh, I'm just doing that. So my, you know, maybe Charlie now, my little boy will benefit from me not really playing as much as a kid because he'll, he'll play a lot more. There you go. There's the cyclical. <laughs> That's the silver lining. Totally. Yeah. Everything is cyclical. 15. Do you, what is your favorite hole in golf? Anywhere? I mean, yeah, like, ooh, um, I'd say, you know, this is a cliche on this, but like it's, you know, 18 at St. Andrews um, is, is, is definitely my favorite hole. You know, the bridge, you know, the Swilkin Burn bridge there is, um, uh, I, I created something called the Global Investment Group when I was there at bridge, to bridge the gap between the University of St. Andrews and the world of business and finance. And we use that bridge as our logo. And um, I think bridges are very powerful metaphors in life. Uh, and I just kind of think about, that bridge and the, the RNA there and the, the tank. There's a lot of, a lot of sentimental stuff. And um, I've hit a lot of bad shots on that hole, hit a lot of good shots on that hole. So just good, good memories. That's a, that's good. It's a, a common, not a common answer. The course is a common answer. The, the answer yes. itself was very unique. I, I yeah. that's a great response. Plus uh, there's a pub about like a uh, pitching wedge <laughs> from the, from the 18th hole. And so you can easily, you can go and get your pint of Guinness afterwards and like your bag of you know, potato chips. Yeah. Life is good. It was good. Um, what's your least favorite feature of a golf on a golf course? Um, uh, I, I was going to say like, like really, really big greens. Um, but that's like St. Andrews. Right. So I, I actually kind of, you know, it's a love hate thing. Um, um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I grew up playing a little mini course in Sanford, North Carolina and, you know, it was not in great shape, but I didn't really know it at the time. And so I just, I kind of have a lot of respect for whether, even if a course isn't in perfect condition, you know, still, you know. Great shot. Great shot. Exactly. <laughs> great shot. Great shot. Yeah. I don't really have like, yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's snowing, like, I don't know. But yeah, then again, played <laughs> snow. So yeah. Snow is a great answer. Yeah. The least, yeah, that's a good point. The least, yeah. Golf courses that get snowed on, snowed on. If any, any, yeah. Courses I, that don't get to a lot of sun, you know. This 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 next one because you reference you have an audio app you reference music and songs. Um, this is number seventeen. If you had, well, first, do you listen to music on the golf course? Um, sometimes, yeah, yeah. With with some of my buddies, I do. Yeah, with some of my buddies, we listen to a lot of uh, like Bob Seger and the Doobie Brothers and kind of some some of that stuff. Yeah, 
So we're, we're going to have some fun with this answer right. when, when the whole bag drop season's done at the end of the year. But uh, if you had one song to listen to on the golf course for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, oh, man. Um, uh, God, there's so many. Come yeah, I mean, the Doobie Brothers, like, listen to the music would probably be it. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, listen to the music. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I'm, I'm, so, yeah, I'd say I'll that. That's, that's just fun, and it's like it's, it's having fun. It's life is good. And um, yeah, that's it, that's awesome. Most importantly for me, it's rhythmic. It's got yes. It's got that, oh, uh, that great point. If you don't have it, yeah, it's out rhythm. On the golf course. I don't care. I don't care what you listen to, but it has to have a consistent rhythm, or or you're gonna yep. throw off our flow. That's so true. That we didn't talk about rhythm today, but that's yeah. That's another yeah. I love love the music rhythm golf connection. Yeah. Never thought about that actually. Final and last question, and you're off to the doctor. Number eighteen. If you had a motto, maybe you do. I think you've said a few of them today, actually. Uh, if you do have a motto, what, what is it? Uh, keep imagining what's possible. That's our outro on every one of our daily drives. And uh, I say it every day because I do, I do a lot of the narration in the app. So say so that's all for today. Until next time, keep imagining what's possible. Keep imagining what's possible. Well, Let's Malcolm, see. I really had fun, man. I can't, this is a first chat of many, I think. Yeah, this has been great, Matt. Hopefully some of them on a... On a, on a beautiful golf course. Uh, so if yeah, folks have grateful. some questions for you or they uh, want to download the app, where do they go? Yeah, we just put uh, the app is, is live now on iOS and Android. Uh, we just, just went live on Android, which is exciting. Um, that's the best place to, to check us out or imaginegolf.com. Um, I'm, a, I'm at Malcolm uh, at imaginegolf.com or Malcolm at hello tldr.com. TLDR is our, our company. So, um, yeah, but welcome anybody to reach out for any reason at all. I mean, we'd love it for ideas or collaborations. Um, yeah, and Matt, this has been great. And uh, thank you so much for, for letting us share some of our story and just getting to know you better. Yeah, same here. Same here. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Malcolm. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we're at New Club Golf. This episode was produced by Mark Caldwell with research assistance by Jim Sitar. The bag drop is supported by members of New Club Golf Society and our official partners. Journeyman Distillery is the official partner of this year's summer medal at Sand Valley and Lasonia. Golf and whiskey go together like, well, the perfect twosome. My favorite is their Silver Cross. It's a name that hails from the medal given out at the early days of the British Open. This medal would later come to symbolize friendship, tradition, camaraderie, and spirited competition. In that same spirit, Journeyman has created a tradition they call Four Grains for Golf, donating 1% of all sales from Silver Cross whiskey back to the various golf charities and organizations that teach kids the game of golf. It instills in them its core values. Kids play free on Welter Follies 30,000 square foot real grass putting green. Not kidding, it's huge. Modeled after Himalaya's putting course in St. Andrews, Scotland. Journeyman has been distilling artisan spirits for a decade in their historic feather bone factory located in the one stoplight town of Three Oaks, Michigan. They are grain to bottle, produce certified organic, kosher, and gluten free award winning whiskeys. And you can check out their full portfolio of spirits at journeymandistillery.com. 